these experts are, well, so to speak, they are not always very clear in their advice uh, and their recommendations. Uh, Also, it doesn't really help that these experts are not always on the same page as the company, not very practical. It's also my experience that there are, most of the time, they're not very much in a hurry either. (laughs) So that's, I, in my experience and what I see in, in my practice is that that is a big nuisance for and a big burden for uh, employers to deal with. Hello, listeners. This is Clint Littler Explains. Uh, my name is Jasper Hofstad. I'm an associate at the Clint Littler office based in Amsterdam. I'm your host for this podcast of which the aim is to bring you, the listener, the basics of Dutch employment and labor law. Every episode I will discuss with one of my colleagues one of his or her favorite topics, whereby, of course, the aim is to press out every juicy detail. Today at my desk has joined me Tanja van Nieuwstad. Tanja just very uh, recently joined us at Clint Littler. One of her main interests and topics where she's very experienced on is sickness and reintegration of employees. I know for a fact that many of our international clients are struggling with this topic as employees, I believe in the Netherlands, are the best protected during sickness as you can be. So please, Tanya, take it, take it away. Thank you for the introduction, Jasper. Um, yes, uh, I totally agree with you. Uh, and I think most of our clients would also agree with that. that dealing with long-term sick employees in the Netherlands is definitely a very challenging process. Um, And most of all, it takes time, uh, consideration and a lot of patience, uh, which is not always easy uh, to bring up Um, because, yeah, well, first of all, it's not you have to pay the salary um, for 104 weeks, which is a considerable lengthy period to uh, to have to pay salary to an employee who is not working or is only partly working due to illness. But also you have to proactively manage the reintegration of and the recovery of that em- employee and the gradually return back to work process. And that is a, already a very heavy burden in itself. But the fact is that that if you do not handle the whole process during that 104 weeks uh, sufficiently, then it could be even it could be extended by another year. Uh, so then you have a total of three years where you have to pay the salary of a sick employee. And also during the whole process of that 104 weeks, the employer, the company, is very much dependent on. Uh, experts that need to be involved, uh, the company doctor, uh, the labor expert from uh, the UWV, which is the social security organization in in the Netherlands that also plays a very important part in the whole reintegration process. So they they need to be involved as well. Uh, It's mandatory even at some point in time to involve them. And these experts are, well so to speak, they are not always very clear in their advice uh, and their recommendations. Uh, Also, it doesn't really help that these experts are not always on the same page as the company, not very practical. It's also my experience that there are, most of the time, they're not very much in a hurry either. (laughs) So that's, I, in my experience and what I see in, in my practice is that that is, a big nuisance for and a big burden for uh, employers to deal with, especially because everything is in Dutch. Every 
form that needs to be filled in and all these forms and files that need to be, things that need to be filed during this whole process, uh, which is mandatory as well. Uh, everything is in Dutch. So if people here in, in the HR or the legal department and they need to guide and long-term sick, sick employee, that's also, well, it's a, that's, that's a big threshold to overcome. And it's where you come in play, of course. Yeah. To, assist, yeah. to assist the client. Uh, yes, of course. And, um, if I may ask a question, because um, this all s- seems to take a lot of time and a lot of effort and time, of course, is money. So can you can you maybe elaborate a little more on this very dire consequence of an employee becoming sick and then being entitled to uh, two years of wage payment? How far does this go? How far does it go? The payment, what you have to pay, um, it is arranged by law. Uh, so by law, there is a minimum set what you have to pay as a company to a sick employee, which is 70% of the salary. Uh, and that salary is capped to the so-called maximum daily wages, uh, which is more or less, well, a little less than 5,000 euro gross. That's the maximum daily wages per month. Um, and and then 70% of that amount, that is what you at least have to pay to uh, an employee. However, it is pretty common in the Netherlands, what you see in most contracts, especially for employees who earn more than that maximum daily wage. It's very common to agree in the employment contract that, that an employee is entitled to a higher amount. Uh, what you see most, most employers in the Netherlands, they pay 100% of the full salary during the first 52 weeks, so during the first year of illness, and then they pay 70% of the full salary, so no cap, no cap uh, during the second year, so during the, the following f- 52 weeks of illness. So that is what you usually see in the individual employment contracts. And then in the Netherlands, you also have a lot of uh, collective labor agreements. So it's very well possible that because of the business activities of a company that they fall under the scope of a mandatory collective labor agreement. So it's always very, well, it's recommended to check whether you indeed as a company fall under the scope of such collective labor agreement. And if so, then you need to verify whether that CLA has a provision on how to deal with payments during illness. Because most of the time, collective labor agreements have provisions that as uh, well that stipulate uh, what you have to pay during during illness so if an employee is working he he is of course always entitled to his uh, to his regular salary but usually to an employment agreement there are more incentives for example a bonus plan or uh, or a commission plan and how does this relate to the sickness very good question, because that indeed is always a tricky point, because usually commission or bonus is not a fixed amount. Uh, it's a variable and it depends on specific targets, company targets, financial targets, and usually also from, it depends on the performance, outcome of performance of the employee. And it's always very uh, confusing uh, that if an employee is not working because due to illness, uh, then it's like, okay, but then, of course, the employee should not be able uh, yeah, to earn a, a commission or a bonus. 
But it is good to know that in by law, it is stipulated that the employee is not only entitled to salary during that 104 weeks of illness, but salary also includes the variable income, such as the commission or a bonus. However, if an employee earns more than that, well, the maximum daily wage is what I just referred to, uh, that amount of approximately 5,000 euro gross per month, then it is possible to stipulate in the employment contract that, or in the commission or bonus scheme itself, of course, uh, that, uh, that during illness or when an employee is not actively, proactively working, uh, that you do not uh, build up any bonus or commission, that you do not accrue any bonus or commission uh, payments during that period. So that is possible. However, it is very important that it is clearly stipulated in the employment contract and in the commission and bonus scheme works. And, and it's something that's easily overlooked, right? Yes, I think. because everybody always assumes, which I don't find weird because I th- I would say that it's not that's a very logical assumption say well okay but if somebody's not working then somebody cannot earn any commission or or bonus but that in itself is a wrong assumption so yeah indeed you need to check whether your contracts uh, employment contract and, and and commission and bonus schemes uh, are clear on on that particular matter um, are there um, be- because this Obligation to pay salary during sickness seems quite strict. Is then there also a possibility um, or is there uh, an exception to this uh, seemingly very strict rule? Yeah, yeah, there are uh, a few exceptions. They are stipulated in the law. Uh, for instance, if the employee uh, would have caused the illness uh, by intent, then uh, the law uh, states that then the uh, employer is not obligated to uh, to pay the salary during illness. However, the uh, definition of intent is very it's very restricted. So uh, it it will rarely happen that as an employer you could say, hey, you have caused your illness by intent. Because for instance, if somebody has a dangerous hobby like uh, paragliding or stuff like that, that doesn't fall under the definition of intent intent must really be that uh, at the at the moment before the accident or whatever happens that the that the employee really realizes like hey this is very dangerous what i'm doing and with what i'm doing i'm now causing myself damage and as a result of that i'm going to be ill seems so, to be very difficult yeah. also so it's very difficult to prove for an employer and i think there's no case law whatsoever <laughs> to find that that a court has indeed accepted uh, intent of the employee and there are also a, a, a few other exceptions uh, if the employee does not sufficiently cooperate uh, with the reintegration or prevents his recovery in any way then also the employee is not entitled to any salary payment for instance if the employee would refuse to follow up on the advice of the company doctor to gradually start working again in well for instance adapted tasks and responsibilities if the employee would refuse that then the company is entitled to stop uh, the salary payments 
or to suspend. That that is a difference. You you can suspend the salary payments or you can stop the salary payment. And stopping the salary payment is only uh, allowed if uh, the employee refuses to follow up on suitable reintegration tasks. To, so to perform suitable reintegration tasks. So s- simply put, if he declines to yeah, work on to his work. reintegration, yeah. then... Then, Salary the, can be then the company, after having sent issued a warning, that must come first always. If you have issued a warning that you are you're refusing to work, but you need to come because otherwise, if you do not come for work, then we will stop your salary payment as of date well X. Then and if then the employee still refuses, then you are allowed as an employer to stop the salary payment. In all other um, situations where the employee does not act in accordance with the with the sickness and absence regulations uh, or is preventing uh, any recovery, uh, then uh, as an employer, you can suspend the salary payments. And as of the moment that the employee is acting in accordance with all regulations again, then with retroactive effect, the employee is entitled to the salary again. So. I was also thinking then uh, we have this employee who isn't cooperating in, in his reintegration. Can't we easily say, um, let's get rid of this disemployee and terminate his contract? Yeah, that, that, that would of course be lovely <laughs> if that would be possible. However, there is another complicating factor there because Dutch law uh, states very clearly that during that 104 weeks of illness, you do not only have to pay the salary as an employer, but also that it is prohibited to terminate the employment during those 104 weeks of illness. And that's regardless of the reason for the dis- for, for the dismissal. Uh, so even even if it would be culpable behavior or if there would be a disturbed relationship. Technically speaking, that would not matter because in general, there is this prohibition to terminate an employment relationship during uh, the 104 weeks of illness. And even in case of redundancy, because that's a question that comes up a lot, that, yeah, but, but if there is a redundancy and the position of that employee becomes redundant and will disappear completely, so there will be no work whatsoever for this employee any longer, then still uh, it is not allowed to terminate the employment relationship as long as the employee is ill. So you have to wait until this employee is is fully recovered or nearly fully recovered. And there are some exceptions, for instance, during the probationary period, which can only be a maximum of two months under Dutch law. Obviously, also when you have a fixed term contract, if that expires, then it will just expire. And regardless whether an employee is ill at the time of the expiration, if there is an immediate reason for dismissal, so that's like urgent reasons uh, such as theft or fraud, or physical abuse, which is a very high threshold. However, of course, if somebody, if an employee would be permanently not following up on any advice of the company doctor, is refusing to cooperate in any manner to to recovery, to reintegration, is always showing up late, is refusing suitable tasks, It could be possible that there would be created such a situation, such an unworkable situation, such a breach of trust, then 
basis on, on that basis, the employer could try to go to court and ask for a rescission of the contract based on culpable behavior or disturbed relationship. However, you need to be very careful there because the protection of sick employees goes very far and the judge or the court would probably assume that the employee cannot be held accountable for his behavior fully because of the fact that the employee is ill. So uh, it needs to be a very, 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 very clear case that that uh, to bring to court if you want to t- get a termination. Uh, and when talking about because we have this, uh, we have this, um, uh, let's say, real sickness, but there are also situational work yeah. cases of sickness, Due and then, conflicts. then still yeah. there is a possibility for the employer to to then terminate the contract, at least if he if he wants to pay, of course, that is often uh, often a very important uh, a very important part in this. And I was wondering, uh, could you give the listener maybe uh, a small sixty second recap? Are there essential key points that they should uh, that they should take home? Well, what I've learned in 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 from all kinds of cases that I've seen that that it's always very important, uh, first of all, to stay in touch with the employee that has called him himself ill. Except when a company doctor has really specifically advised that you should not be in contact for a certain period at all. However, normally speaking, it's always very important to stay in close contact and have regular contact moments, even when somebody is not actually proactively working or reintegrating, it's always important to stay in touch. And also the same goes for uh, the company doctor. It's very important to stay in close contact with the company doctor, also to explain the company's perspective on the matter. Because usually some... some things have happened, maybe an incident has happened or a performance review has happened right before this employee has called in sick. So it's always good that the company gets also in contact with the company doctor and explains what happened before, right before a illness notification. Uh, so the company doctor has a full picture of the situation. And of course, it's very important to treat sick employees with respect and to, well, take them seriously. But also it is at the same time important to not give them too much latitude. You need to keep them alert and also sanction uh, them where necessary, for instance, to stop their salary payments when they are not cooperating. Because otherwise, if you do not do that and keep them alert, then the employer could in the end be the one that gets a sanction. Also, it is important to know that the company doctor is, of course, well, the expert party in in the whole process. However, as an employer, it's also important to not follow the company doctor blindly. And if you have doubts uh, about the recommendations or the advice of the company doctor, to ask for an expert opinion uh, at the UWV. That is also very important to do during that process. And then maybe the last and final, but definitely not the less important one, is 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 always record everything in writing. Uh, everything, every step of the process with the employee, every meeting you have with that employee, uh, even if it's an informal meeting, always take notes and keep them in the in the in the personnel record. That's very important to do. Um, all duly noted by me. Very um, very insightful. Thank you, Tanya. Uh, this is it. 
for today. I say thanks to you as well, to the listener for your interest in Dutch employment and labor law. Of course, in the description of the podcast, we will include some notes as to where other important parts of this of this podcast begin and i hope you will join us again for our next episode if you wish you can subscribe to clint littler explains and we will be delighted to receive a review if you have any questions as to the things being discussed don't hesitate to reach out Uh, tanya and i will always be happy to assist 